Hello, Saubona, how's it, Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to the Every Nation podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. You all good this morning? Come on. I can see it's that day. It's that day where we, you know, you did it, though. You got out of bed. Come on. Praise God. <laughs> it's so good to see you all here this morning. Um, yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been an interesting time. I was just chatting with a few people in, in our church, and, um, and I was quite amazed. Like, I was talking with Ayanda, and he was talking about how he got his new job, and Nompebo as well got a new job, and then Mervyn also got a new job, and then I was talking to and I was, and I, Matthew, you know, got a new, and I just thought, you know, we started this year with prayer and fasting, and, um, and I've been hearing just like there's been breakthroughs, you know, Subs was up here testifying about, you know, insurance paying out when insurance wasn't going to pay out, um, and uh, yeah, Subs, we see you, we know you're online, um, I hope you're not drinking coffee and Dipping that rusk. <laughs> We're watching you. <laughs> but just, you know, we start the year with prayer, with fasting. We trust in God for breakthroughs. And a lot of us in December were like, yo, I really need God to come through. And, um, and I've just been hearing about so many breakthroughs coming through. And you know what? We, we must stop and realize what the Lord has done and be the people who observe it and give Him praise for it. So I want to just say to you, if that's you, you've got breakthrough, you've got a testimony, God's provided something this year, please give us your testimonies. Let's, let's put them up in the church and let's publish them, you know, over the next couple Sundays. Let's have a testimony Sunday. So please come and give those to us. Send it to the church WhatsApp um, and, and let's praise the Lord for what he's done because these are the very things we were praying for in January. Amen. Cool stuff. All right. Well, I hope you've got a Bible with you. I want to talk this morning about having a violent spirit. You? Yes. I will. I will. <laughs> this is Sandile. I will. <laughs> yep. Um. <laughs> having a violent spirit. And I'm not talking about like EFF violence where we're just like angry <laughs> at everyone and people who don't think like us and we just want our own way. I'm talking about kingdom violence, okay? Just, you're with me, okay? We're talking about the kingdom violence this morning. So I was sitting on the couch recently with one of my sons and, um, and just, you know, couch surfing. We're just like, let's look for something. Let's watch something. And there was this like rerun of the movie The Matrix, uh, that came up, and we were like, ah, yeah, let's watch The Matrix. How many of you have seen The Matrix? You know The Matrix? Man, The Matrix, actually, when I was watching it again, uh, I mean, it's like an old movie, I know, but when I was watching it again, I was amazed at how many, like, biblical metaphors are actually in the movie. I mean, it actually, the movie serves as an incredible, like, metaphor for the, the biblical narrative. It's amazing. So, in The Matrix, if you haven't seen it, warnings, Spoiler alert, but it's so old, like, you know what I mean? It's like beyond, like, like tough, you know, if, if, if I'm ruining it for you. Um, you've had your chance, you've had years, you know. But anyway, in the movie, there's, <laughs> there, the, the, it's what the movie proposes is this, is that the, the world we're living in is not a real world. That actually the real world is like much further in the future where there's these machines that have taken over the world. 
and they've enslaved humanity, and they've put humanity into these like pods. And the reason why they've enslaved humanity is because, you know, the, there was this war between the humans and machines, and the humans scorched the skies, and, and so there was no more sun, and so the, the, the machines had to harvest electricity from, from human beings. So humans are in these pods, but, you know, humans don't really just, you know, submit that well. You know, they're not really that obedient to the machines. And so what they had to do was growing human beings, they're literally growing human beings in these pods where they're harvesting electricity for them to power their world. And, um, but, but in order to keep them in the pods, they plug them into this like, computer system, which is virtual reality, actually. It's like this virtual metaverse kind of reality. And, and in it, like, so people are in these pods, but they don't know they're in these pods. They're living their best lives. They're in New York and Durban. There's sunshine, there's food, there's, you know, your jobs, there's things you can do. You're like, you're living your life, but actually you're in a pod somewhere out there. You know, which, when you think about some of the verses in the Bible, it's actually quite crazy how much that is like the Bible. Because in the Bible, Jesus calls Satan the God of this world three times in the Gospel of John. And in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says that he has taken the world captive and he's deceived the world to do his will. Same in 2 Timothy, that, he's, that, that, that somehow he's captured and enslaved all of humanity in sin. And guess what? Nobody knows it. And so he's carefully, when he says the God of this world, what Jesus means is God of world systems. Not, he doesn't actually own the earth. The earth is the Lord's, amen, and the fullness thereof. But Satan creates these systems and structures in the world that keep people from truth, from the real reality of this place called the kingdom of God, where there's a father who loves you. And Satan carefully constructs these systems in every culture, in every corner of the world, so that you will grow up in a family where you'll never hear the Bible. You'll go to a school where you can't say the name of Jesus or have prayer. Or you'll go to a university where to believe in this is like, what? You believe in the Bible? Please, man. Evolution answers everything. Science answers everything. Like, please just, you know, take that book and put it on the shelf. Like, are you crazy? Are you dumb? And so he's carefully constructing these systems that, that, so that to keep the truth out. And people, and in the Bible, he's actually called the deceiver of the whole world. So everybody's living in this deception, thinking that they're okay, living their best life in the matrix, just like in the matrix, not knowing that they've been taken captive by the enemy. Not knowing that they've been deceived by the enemy. They think they're living out their philosophy of live your best life or some, whatever it is, but they don't actually know it's a deception, it's a lie. And the real truth is actually in the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And just like in the matrix, the machines capturing humanity, we see the same picture in the Bible. However, in the movie, there are prophecies of the one who will come and rescue humanity from the machines, which sounds familiar, right? Because in the world, there are these prophecies about who? A Messiah called Jesus, who will come and do what? Rescue us from this enemy, this deception, this deceiver of nations. And in the movie, the one is Neo, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and, and he comes in and he gets activated. He takes the red pull. 
Not the blue pill. He takes the red pill, and he gets activated, and he gets like, these powers over the matrix. You know, people can shoot bullets at him, and he's just like, whew. he's like dodging bullets or making all the bullets just stand still and fall to the ground. Like he shows all these supernatural powers. And guess what? In the Gospels, we have Jesus, born of a virgin, coming into this world, the matrix, if you like, coming into the matrix, getting activated by the Spirit of God through the waters of baptism. The Spirit descends upon him, and he moves in the might of the Spirit. He walks on water. He raises the dead. He casts out demons, and he heals the sick. He shows all these like incredible supernatural powers. And in the movie, Neo you know, defeats the matrix. He dies in the process, but then resurrects. Spoiler, sorry, okay? Then resurrects, which is strangely familiar because didn't Jesus do exactly that as well? You know, he defeated this world. He defeated Satan at the cross. He died in the process, but guess what? He resurrected to new life. And he says, take heart, for I have overcome the world. I've overcome the matrix. I've, you know, I am the truth, the way, and the life. And, and rescues us from living just what we thought was life and rescues us into living real life, kingdom life, eternal life. Ah, we could go on for days. We could go on for days. The similarities are just incredible in the movie to, to what we see in the biblical message. But for today, I want to just focus in on one moment in the movie where there's this character who's part of this band of rebels against the machines, you know, this, this vigilante group that are, that are warring against the machines and waiting for the Messiah, a group of disciples, if you like, okay? And they, they're trying to, you know, they, they're warring against it and they're looking for the one, the, the Messiah, and, and they're this team and they're working and warring against the machines, but there's this particular character and his name is Cypher. And he's on this team, and he plays the Judas role in the movie. He betrays his friends. He sells them out to the machines. And the reason is because Cypher is just so tired of the battle. He's so tired of warring against these machines. He's so tired of living this soldier life, this disciplined life, this, this life. And, and he, there he sits watching this matrix in front of him every day, and he's seeing people just living their lives and going to the park and drinking, you know, wine and eating their steak. And he's just sitting there in this ship, and he's in battle. And every day the machines are trying to hunt them down and kill them, and he's always on the run for his life. And he's just, and there's this moment in the movie over here where, where he's got this steak, and he's in the, he's in the matrix now, and he's talking with Mr. Smith, uh, and, 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 and he's selling out, all right, in this moment, and he's like, he's eating the steak, and he's like, you know what, I know the steak is not real. I know it's not real, but he chews on it, but he's like, it just tastes so good. And because of all the battle and living a disciplined life, he knows the truth of the real world. He chooses the matrix. He chooses the matrix. And you know, he knows, he knows that it's a carefully constructed system. He knows it's all just fake. He knows the end of it is just nothing and destruction. But he chooses it because it's just so hard to do the other thing. And I got thinking about that, and I just thought, you know, how many times do you and I do the same thing? 
We know the truth, the kingdom of God. We know the gospel, the way, the truth, and the life. We know the Messiah. We know that you know, eternity is like a breath away. We know these things, but how often do we live these things out or do we just go the way of the matrix because it's easier? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Kind of like, you know, in, in, if let's take it into like sharing the gospel. Like we know this gospel is the truth. And the Bible says that like eternity is a breath away. Like we don't know if we have tomorrow. Like we really don't. But the matrix likes to think you have, you know, tell you that you, you, have, you have plenty time. Serve God, yeah, yeah, get there. You know, I'll get there. You know, get, get involved in missions. Yeah, I'll get there. You know, I'll get there. I've got time, you know. No, but the Bible says, no, but your life is just a breath. It's just a vapor. It's just like it's here today. It's so fragile. And we know, that, we know the truth. The truth is this, is that everyone who dies without Christ faces an eternity in hell. That is the truth. We know it so often, but how often are we standing in front of people who don't know it and we're not sharing it? It's like we're living the matrix story rather than from a place of the truth of the kingdom of God. Do you know, you know what I'm talking about? There's this amazing song by Casting Crowns. Another, yeah, I'm giving my age away here. Casting Crowns and... And, and it's, it's called, Here I Go Again. And in this song, he so poignantly, these verses capture this state of ours between choosing the truth or choosing the matrix, the world system. And in there, he's, the song, he's singing about how he's talking with a friend and he needs to share the gospel with them because they're not saved, yet he just doesn't. And he says these words, he says, here I go again, talking about the rain and mulling over things that won't live past today, talking about whatever, the matrix stuff, the, the, the soccer on the weekend, the game, the, the weather, the, you know, political climate, the whatever, you know, we're talking about the whatevers of the world. And I dance around the truth, like I know there's truth, but I'm just dancing around it. Time is not his friend. Time is not his friend. This might be my last chance to tell him that you love him, but here I go again, here I go again, choosing the matrix and not the truth. And it's not only in, in like terms of sharing the gospel, guys, but it's also in terms of like, I mean, it's in, in terms of like every part of living the Christian life. Every part of living the Christian life. This, this book is so radical in what it proposes, it is completely against the culture of this world. I mean, just think about how counterculture, this thing is coming this way, culture is going this way, and there's this continual bash against it. I mean, every, you know, everybody in this world is amassing, trying to amass wealth. What is the Bible message? Store up your treasures in heaven, all right? Everybody's trying to live their best life now. What does the Bible say? Throw away your life for my sake, and you'll find it, your real life. You know, everybody's trying to get the whole world, but the Bible is saying, guys, the world and everything in it is passing away. Do the will of God. 
Do you know what I mean? So there's this continual clash, and it's not only out there in culture and in trying to serve God, but it's also within us, in our, in our own very our very own desires. I mean, come on, you know what I'm talking about. Bless those who curse you. What is our flesh? Our flesh is like punch, smack, fight, and bless is coming like that. You know, it's just like, and there's this war inside. Do good to those who treat you horribly, you know? You know? And like your flesh just wants to lust after something. And, the, and this thing is saying, do not gratify the desires of your flesh, but rather live by the Spirit. And, and your flesh just wants to do that. And this, is like the, this, this word is saying, take every thought captive. And you just want to have this fantasy something in your mind. And just, yeah, 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 my fantasy, my pride. And it's like, take every thought captive. You know? There's just this continual clash. And let's be honest, it's not easy to be the person who's not doing what everybody else is doing. It's not easy, right? In the workplace, in school, the UCI, in varsity, come on. It's, it's, it's not easy to be the person who's not doing what everybody else is doing. To go counterculture. Or to do the things that not everybody else is doing. Or to say the things that nobody wants to say. Nobody wants to hear that Yeah. But you've got to be the guy, the girl who says it. Or you've got to be the person who doesn't say when everybody else is saying something about so-and-so and, and trashing the country or whatever. And you, you're the one who, you know, you want to, but you're not going to because, you know, it's like you're going counter culture. It's not easy to swim upstream. It's not easy to be the one who stands out. It's not easy to be counterculture, to go against family tradition, culture traditions. It's not easy to go against political systems. It's not easy to go against the work code ethic in, the country, in, the, in my company because, you know, I have to stand up for this thing over here called righteousness. It's not easy to be that person. But guess what? If you and I want to follow Jesus, everything and more we will have to do. We will have to swim upstream. We will have to go counterculture if we want to follow this Messiah. And that requires us to have a violent spirit. And that requires us to have a warring spirit. And that requires us to have a fighting spirit, a courageous spirit, a spirit like Joshua and Caleb who are like, give us that land. We're going to take it. You know, I love this guy, Joshua, in the Bible. I mean, Caleb in the Bible, both, all right? But Caleb in the Bible, you know, he lasts 45 years in the, 40 years in the wilderness, and he comes out of it, and now they're going to take the promised land, and he stands in front of everybody, and he says, I'm 85 years old now, but I'm just as strong as I was back then, and I'm just as vigorous to go to battle now as I was then just as vigorous to go to battle now as I was then. I have not lost my fight. I have not lost my warring spirit. I have not lost that spirit of violence, that, that thing inside of me that's like, no, I am going to follow Jesus. 
I'm going to follow the word. I'm going to obey this thing. I'm not going to, you know, and this is like so many Christian stories. I start out vigorous for battle, taking every thought captive from like counterculture, living like this, doing this with my finances. But then I look at people in the matrix and they're drinking red wine and eating steak and living their best life. And I'm just like, ah, oh, that looks kind of nice. <laughs> I'm kind of tired of all this battle, you know. You know what I'm talking about? I think there is grace here this morning for you if you're a little bit battle-weary. I feel like for some of us here, maybe you're lowering the shield or your sword is dragging on the ground. You've been fighting certain battles inside, depression, anxiety, sins, whatever it is, and you're a little bit tired of those battles. Or you're tired of being the one that just keeps standing out in the family or in your workplace or on your campus or you started out just like making disciples and, and sharing the gospel but hey if you think about it you haven't shared the gospel in quite a while I feel like there's grace here for you this morning I really feel like God is gonna breathe afresh on us and for you guys at home as well breathe afresh on us and raise up that warrior spirit in us again. And fill us with that violent spirit again. So that we can be like this guy Caleb and say, I'm vigorous, I'm ready for battle, amen? Join me in Matthew chapter 11, and let's just pray before we get into the word. Father in heaven, we commit this time to you. We believe that your plans for us are good and that everything good starts with your word your word brings life healing and direction and we treasure your word more than our daily bread and so we boldly confess this morning that our minds are alert our hearts are receptive and we say speak Lord for your servants are listening. Amen. Amen. Are you in Matthew chapter 11? It won't come up. You need a Bible. We're going to read from verse 11. It says, Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom suffers violence. Can you say the kingdom suffers violence? The kingdom suffers violence. Jesus carries on and he says, and the violent take it by force. Can you say the violent take it by force? For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, amen, John, let him hear. But to what shall I liken this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. For John came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon. 
The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look, a glutton, a wine-biber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified in her children. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, you'll be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Passage, the verse there, I just want us to, there's so much here, but the, the verse I want us just to like zero in on is that verse 16 where he says, but to what shall I liken this generation? It's like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions and saying, we played the flute for you and you did not dance. We mourned to you and you did not lament. What is Jesus saying in this passage? Well, it's interesting. When you look at this passage, I mean, firstly, what we do know about Hebrew culture is this, is that it's a command to mourn with those who are mourning and it's a command to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. So if somebody's throwing a party, you have to go and you have to be happy. That sounds like a good culture to have. <laughs> and if the people are mourning, you've got to go and, and you've got to go mourn with them. That, that was like Hebrew. So there's this expectation in this culture. But it could have been also that Jesus was alluding to a particular Greek fable that was really well known, that was written like a few hundred years before Jesus was even born, and it was widely spread throughout the Greek empire. And it was a fable about a flute player who went to the ocean one day and he played a flute asking for the fish to dance to his flute, to his music. But the fish would not dance to the music. So he took a net and he cast it into the ocean and he grabbed a harvest of fish and he pulled it out and put it on the ground and he was like, oh, and now you dance. Do you know how <laughs> fish dance? When they're caught, it's like, in other words, guys, it's too late. Your dinner, your, your goose is cooked, you know? Like, you should have danced when you had the chance. And what, it was, what, he's, what this Greek fable is alluding to is this is how interesting how people so, we, how we don't respond to nicety sometimes. We don't respond like when, when there's the flute playing or when there's the opportunity to play or when it's easy to, but we, we just don't respond but now suddenly, like, things get tough, and COVID hits, and like, okay, now we'll pray. Yeah, we'll pray now, you know? Now, we, now we're going to do this. Oh, oh, we've only got one more day to live. Okay, now I'm serious about Jesus. Now, now yeah, eternity. You know, now I'm going to read my Bible. It's like, you know, it's like almost too late. You had your chance to, you know, Jesus comes in peace. In the, in the Gospels, he comes in this, like, as a saving Messiah. He's going to come as a warring Messiah. It's going to be too late then. So, so this is kind of what he's alluding to in this passage over here. And what he's basically saying is this, is that the audience that he's talking to in that time is unresponsive 
It doesn't matter what John says. It doesn't matter what he's saying. It doesn't matter what miracles they're seeing. It's like they are just unresponsive. They are not responding to what God is saying, what God is communicating. And this is the thing about the matrix, the world system, is that at its like least, it makes people unresponsive to the gospel, passive to it. Like it's just not, doesn't seem important. Like I'll get there one day. Like the world system is designed to relegate this truth to the sidelines of relevance. Like where it's not really relevant and you don't really have to, it's not really like life and death and you know, heaven and hell. It's just like, just chill out, you know? And, so, and it's like, just, just cruise. So there's this, there's this, the spirit of the world is breeding passivity. It's breeding this apathy when it comes to things that are of value in the kingdom. That's its strategy. And this is important information for you and I. We need to know that the culture we're living in, the environment around us every day is pushing this truth to the sidelines of relevance and it's trying to make us passive to it, unresponsive to it at best. At worst, it's doing the work of making people aggressive to it. This is what he means when he says the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. In there, he carries on and he talks about how John and him have been publicly smeared. Their names are maligned. Ah, oh, you got a demon. Ah, oh, you're a wine drinker. Ah, oh, you are this. You know, this is what the enemy always attacks the person. <laughs> he always goes for the person, you know? So there's this, this attack, there's this aggression against them. Either there's this unresponsiveness or there's aggression against it. And so we must understand this is the world we live in. This is the matrix. So either it's making people unresponsive or it's making people aggressive against the truth. That was Jesus' audience. And I want you to know that that is your audience too. It hasn't changed. Maybe the modes and the methods and the whatever and you know, now it's all digital or whatever, but the prevailing spirit is there and its, try, it's, its purpose is to make people passive and unresponsive to the gospel. I mean, I was, I, was, I was just talking to somebody who was saying like they were trying to share the gospel, but there was just like there's, I was talking to my mom, she was talking about how she's reaching out to a particular woman, but like they're just not interested. It's just like, oh, okay, nice. It's like there's this passivity of like, yeah, cool, you know, that's your truth or whatever, you know? But, but that is the work of the world system. That is satanic systems at work to bring people to that place where they're just, nah, you know, nah, whatever. Either that or aggressive against it. How can you say that here? How can you say he's the only way? How can you say that, you know, homosexuality is wrong? How can you say something about my, my gender? You know, how can, how can you, how can you, how can, aggression? Well, it's, it's what the Bible says. It's not me, you know. <laughs> been saying it for centuries, and it's pretty good advice. If you obey it, you'll have a great life, I promise. The best life you can actually have is, is, is this one, you know. It might be more difficult. might have to say no to some of your desires, but let me tell you something. It'll be better for you. Because those desires, 
They want to kill you, actually. They want to conquer you and destroy your life and your family and your relationships and your sexuality and bring you to death and destruction, okay? This will bring you to truth and real life. So this is our world, all right? So what I'm trying to help you see this morning is this is the matrix that you live in, which says this. If you are gonna wanna live, if, you, if you're gonna want to live this or follow this, it means that you've gotta have something inside of you that rises above the culture of this world, something inside of you that says, I'm gonna seize the day. Something inside of you that says, I'm not gonna let this moment go without mentioning the name of Jesus. It's gotta be something inside of you that says, I'm not gonna just go the way of the world, I'm gonna let God interrupt today. I'm gonna let the truth of the kingdom interrupt what we're facing right here, right now. In other words, you're gonna have to take it by force. This is what Jesus is talking about here. The kingdom suffers violence. In other words, everything is opposed to this. So then you're gonna have to have like a violent spirit that says, no, I'm going to live this thing out in my generation. You're gonna have to be battle ready. You're gonna have to be ready for resistance. If you don't plan to share the gospel and train yourself on how to share this gospel, it's not going to happen because you just live in, the, you live in the matrix, and the matrix is not gonna give you an opportunity. It's carefully constructed your social network and friends in, in such a way that they are just gonna be unresponsive or even aggressive against this. So unless you are pre-planned and disciplined and train yourself to look for moments, guess what, it's not gonna happen. If you're apathetic, you're going with the matrix. If you're passive with the gospel, the matrix will win. Are you understanding me this morning? If you don't plan to get into the Great Commission and make disciples, I want you to know it's not gonna happen. The matrix is not gonna go like, ah, oh, shame, you're trying to be such a good Christian and you're trying to follow Jesus. I'm just gonna bring all these nice people into your life that you can disciple, and you're just gonna make like one message, and they're all gonna be like, yeah, I wanna be there. And then they're gonna come, and you're gonna like open the Bible, and they're gonna be like, oh, this is so nice. Like, tell me more, you know? Like the matrix is no, having no mercy on the gospel, so we need to have no mercy on the matrix, man. We need to have something inside of us that says, you know what, I'm going to make this thing, I'm gonna step out, and I'm gonna be ready for resistance, and I'm gonna be ready for that person who's yawning while I'm preaching. What? <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. <laughs> or that person in my group who's just unresponsive, like just to say. How many of you have ever had a tough crowd? I want you to know that the matrix is behind that. Listen, I went to this Bible school once to teach, like, as a guest. Woo! Tough audience. I'm talking about you make jokes and nobody's laughing. And you're like, ha, 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 ha. 
point number two. <laughs> you know, like tough, tough, tough. I remember going to this, this Bible school and, and it was tough, okay? And there's this one guy who just looks at me like this the whole time. Like, I'm like, are you happy? Are you, is this, are you in pain? Jesus loves you. He's got a great plan for your life. You, you know what I'm talking about? Just hard, resistant. I remember I had to actually go and talk on the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and I could just feel like these guys, they don't want the Holy Spirit. In fact, there was this one woman who was like, nah, people have prayed for me and it's never happened. When I was talking about the gift of tongues. She just said that, like in the middle of my lecture. Well, thanks for bringing some faith. You know? There was something in me like that just wanted to like roll over, let this moment go, you know, let's go have tea and coffee and okay, great lecture, woo, tough crowd. Thank God this is not my church. <laughs> but like it was a warring spirit in me and I was like, no, okay, you, come here. Come to the front. Do you want the gift of tongues? Yes. Today you're going to receive it. She's like, okay. Gets up. You know, she's just no faith, whatever. People in the class are like, no one's in this moment with me. It's like, I'm fighting for this thing now. Jesus, come on. I believe in this kingdom. I believe in this truth. Jesus, you said you'll pour out your spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, will speak in new tongues, will, you know, come on. Like, I'm just like, let's go. She gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. She starts speaking in tongues. And all of a sudden, the guy at the back is like. <laughs> Guys. People aren't showing up to your connect group or responding. Got, you've got to have a warring spirit in you. You are, you are fighting the world system. You are fighting the enemy. Do you know what? If we look into Genesis, what we see is a picture of Satan's ultimate goal. What has happened in Egypt? The Israelites are in slavery, right? And guess what? They've got no time and no space and no energy left to worship God. And what is the cry from heaven? Let my people go. Why? That they may worship, offer their lives as a living sacrifice to me. They weren't living sacrifices unto the Lord. Worship is not two slow songs. Amen? <laughs> worship is offering our lives, giving our lives for the King. It's living a life of the truth of God. It's Worship is like I'm living the truth, all right? That's worship every single day. So no matter what we do can be worship. So there's this, this cry from heaven, let my people go that they may live for me, that they may do. But what is Satan doing? No, I don't want them to live for him. I don't want them to know the truth. I don't want them free. I don't want them to have any energy left to serve God. This is what you are fighting against. Guys, we're moving into a season as a church where, you know, we're trusting God for revival in not only our church, but in the city of Durban. We're going to have to have a warring spirit for this. We're going to have to have that, like, you know what, it's 5 a.m., but 
I'm, I'm, I'm just as vigorous. <laughs> you know, as, as 12 p.m., I'm just as vigorous. I'm ready for this. I'm ready for this. What happens, let me ask you this, what happens if you're swimming upstream, paddling upstream, and you stop paddling? Do you stay where you are? Does the river go, ah, it's okay, pause, pause, stop. Every molecule pause, they stop paddling, they stop paddling, give them a break, everyone take a rest. Okay, carry on paddling now, and then you move forward. I want you to know it's the same with your spiritual life. I just, it's just true. Stop the paddle, and you just go backwards. You don't stay where you are. You know, I'm just going to take a break from church for, a, you go backwards. I'm just going to take a break from, you know, and this is the thing that was Cypher had. This is the problem Cypher had. He just became tired of living that disciplined, warring life, taking those thoughts captive. And, and, and so he was just like, let's go into the matrix. This can happen to us. Let's be honest. But I feel like there's a fresh breeze of the Lord this morning. I feel like there's a move here in us right now just to strengthen us. You know, in the Bible, there's this thing called the spirit of might. In Isaiah chapter 11, it says this, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom. Can we read it together? The spirit of wisdom, of understanding. The spirit of? Counsel. And the spirit of? Mind. And the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. These are often called the seven spirits of God. This is like the manifold wisdom of God. This is what God can be personified in, in wisdom, in, in counsel, in knowledge. In, it's talking about Jesus here and the spirit that's on him. Notice how it talks about a spirit of might. I want you to know, like when you look at the Bible and you see the mighty men of David doing these incredible things, it's not them, it's the spirit of might in them and working through them. I want you to know that there is a spirit of might that can come upon you so that you can be mighty in this battle that you're facing. That you can be mighty and win people to Jesus. That you can be mighty and be a great disciple maker and take your whole block for Jesus and your whole neighborhood for him. That you can be mighty in the workplace and stand up for righteousness when everybody's like going in the other direction. There is a spirit of might. All those mighty people, they didn't have that in of themselves. It was the spirit of God that came upon them. And it's a lesson for you and I today. That it's not in your own strength. Oh, I need to fight uh, the world system. There's a spirit of might that enables me for moments like this. Stir up the gift of God within you. You know what I mean? Like there is a spirit of God that comes upon us that enables us not to be timid. That enables us to, to live out a life of power, a sound mind. It enables us to live this life that we have. This is not, I'm not telling you to go and fight more. I'm telling you to have faith for the Spirit of God to work in your life and give you the Spirit of might. Say, so, Lord, I've read about this thing. I want the Spirit of might in my life. Maybe you can just say that right now. Lord, give me that Spirit of might. You know, those men that served David, those mighty men that served him, 
They didn't have that might in and of themselves. I mean, you just go read some of the stories, like in 1 Chronicles 11. I mean, it just talks about, like, there was this Egyptian that was, like, seven feet tall, and he had this, like, bronze, like, bow and stuff that, that was, like, made of bronze or something. And then, like, one of David's mighty men just comes and kills the guy, takes his thing and stabs him with it. You know, he's just, like, we're talking, like, you know, superheroes. These guys were incredible. But it wasn't them. It was the spirit of might at work in them. It was a spirit of might. And they, so what did they do? What did they do then if it was a spirit of might? They had the audacity to believe the truth and not go with the matrix. Look at how David defeated Goliath, people. He had the audacity to believe the truth. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the army of the Lord? He had the audacity just to believe the truth and say, I'll step out. I'll do it. I'll do it. I made myself available. You know, I, I laugh at how Reynard Bonke, um, you know, the great evangelist, and led millions to the Lord. It's interesting how, you know, he was having this moment. I think he was in Nigeria, and there was just like millions of people at this like rally, and he's preaching the gospel. He had this little moment with Jesus, and he was like, Lord, thank you so much for choosing me, for making, allowing me to do this. And God said to him, <clears throat> You weren't my first choice. He was like, huh? I said, no, you were just the first to say yes. So don't think like all of this is you, this is me, but I needed somebody just to say yes. So just say yes. Say yes. Say yes to the Lord. Let me tell you about the Queen Mary. The Queen Mary, there's a picture here, is a luxury liner, was a luxury liner, okay? And, um, it, it, I mean, it was a cruise ship. How many of you have been on cruise ships? Come on. This is, that was the Queen Mary. However, when World War II came, the Queen Mary was repurposed for war. The potholes, the, sorry, the portholes, not the potholes. <laughs> The portals <laughs> didn't have bottles. <laughs> it was sink, eh? <laughs> the portals were painted over. The ship was painted a camouflage gray, not, not its usual bright colors. All the luxurious fittings in the ship were removed, and bunk beds were installed to enable her to carry troops, and that what became her job. She was a troop carrier. The ship's troop carrying capacity was increased to get this, 16,000 people. Like if you zoom in on one of the pictures there of the, of the people on that deck, that's how many soldiers are on that ship. It's actually, it's a world record for the most number of people on a ship. She could move an entire army division in one voyage, and her greatest defense against the enemy why she did not get torpedoed was because she was fast. Really, really fast. <laughs> she could sail at 28.5 knots. She was a fast-moving target, much faster than any warship could imagine, very difficult to aim at. Even Winston Churchill traveled a few times on her. She transported troops all over the world, moving them to different battlefields, not getting hit by any of the torpedoes. And Winston Churchill said this, this, 
the, the, the Queen Mary and the other Queen Elizabeth, the other cruise liner, shortened the war by one year because they got involved. <clears throat> I want to ask you this morning, are you a luxury liner or are you a warship? You know, many of us are not really aware of the war that is raging around us right now. And we haven't made the necessary adaptations to our lives so that we can be purposeful in the war, like the Queen Mary. 16,000 men in one voyage. How many men could you carry into eternity? If you're a warship, how many can you carry with you? How are you living your life? Maybe there's some luxuries, uh, things that are slowing you down. Listen, we've got to have speed if we're going to dodge the torpedoes. We've got to be alert. The, the Queen Mary would zigzag, all right, dodging torpedoes. We're going to have to dodge the temptations of this world. We're going to have to dodge the insults of this world. We're going to have to move fast. We're going to have to, like, be nimble on our feet. But ultimately, we need to be purposeful in these times. And I want to encourage you this morning, understand the battle that rages around you. And let's not give in to the matrix. Let's choose to live this truth out. Let's choose to swim upstream. Let's choose to tap into the spirit of might. That same spirit that transformed Peter from being this scaredy cat and denying Jesus to being a man that could preach to thousands and lead them to the Lord. That's the spirit of might. That's the spirit that we've received from Jesus. In 1 John 3 verse 8, and I'll close with this, it says, the Son of God appeared for this purpose that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came into this world not to make peace with the devil. He didn't come in like, okay, devil, okay, you got, you got uh, North Beach. I'm gonna take Berea. You can take Glenwood. Nothing good comes from there. <laughs> I'm going to take Durban North and Hillcrest. He didn't come and like go, okay, we'll just, we'll coexist. Look at our warring Jesus, man. Making a whip and cast those, turning those tables over. Look at that Jesus in, in the midst of the, the aggression of the matrix people, calling people up and healing them in front of him on the Sabbath. Knowing, I mean, that's like a declaration of war in, in that time. It was like, you know what? I'm going to heal this guy. It's on the Sabbath. I don't care what you think. I don't care how you are against this. I, he was aggressive against the world system. He was like, lepers, I'm going to touch them. I'm going to heal them. You know, he was, he had this, I mean, he was like, he was to he set his face like a flint towards that cross. He was like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to live out my purpose in life. You want to fulfill your purpose? You want to see the promises of God? I want you to know you're going to have to have a warring spirit, a spirit of violence inside of you that says, you know, it doesn't matter how bad things are right now. It doesn't matter how difficult things are. I'm not going to settle for second best. It doesn't matter how long I've been waiting for this thing. 
marching around these walls, just like that don't seem to fall. And I'm like, this problem just doesn't go away. I'm not going to lose my warring spirits. No matter how long it takes, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I will see what He's promised over my life. I'm not going to settle for the matrix and some second best, some second rate lifestyle where I'm just going to blend in, become like everyone else, do what everybody else is doing, not have much impact, and just live like kind of at peace with the, this enemy that's breathing down our necks the whole time. Just like, don't interrupt him too much. Don't tip on his toes too much. Just keep it, keep it peaceful. Walk through. Oh, listening. Okay. That's your choice, you know? Oh, you, you know, that's your choice. I got my Jesus. I'm going to heaven. You know, I'm like, Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. Destroy them. So let's have, those, those thoughts are coming into your head continually. Have no mercy on them. Have no mercy on them. Take them captive. Bring them into the obedience of the word of God. Don't let the war in your mind be won by the matrix. You know, you've, you've been called to live out a particular purpose or a destiny, and everything around you is trying to push you in the opposite direction. What will you do? Have a warring spirit. Amen? Have a spirit of violence. That's, that the king, know that the kingdom suffers violence. Where is the kingdom, by the way? Oh, so who suffers violence? <laughs> Where's the kingdom? Hey, that was a good one, yeah. Where's the kingdom? It's in you. For the kingdom is within you. What suffers violence? The kingdom. The kingdom is in you. Guess what? It's going to suffer violence. You're going to experience that. You're going to feel resistance. You're going to feel attack against what you, what, what's inside you, what you know God's called you to. Have a violent spirit. Have a spirit of might. I'm going to see this thing through. Amen. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? <clears throat> As the rain comes down. Thank you, Sia. If you wouldn't mind just coming up for a moment. Let's just have a moment to pray over this word. battle weary, just raise your hands. If you're just tired of swimming upstream, just raise your hands. It's not by might, like your might. It is by His might. It's not by your power, but it is by His power, which is all in His Spirit. He is the Spirit of might. He's the Spirit of power. If you just feel a little tired of the battle in your mind, of trying to win over the desires of your flesh. I've been so timid about the gospel. Just lift your hands. Father, we just pray this morning for boldness. We pray for boldness. Like they prayed in the Acts chapter 4, Lord, they prayed for boldness. Lord, fill us with that same boldness today. That we would be as bold as lions, Lord. 
that we'll be as strong as David's mighty men, Lord. That we'll take ground for you, Lord God. That we would see your kingdom advance, Lord God. That we would see your promises and purposes. That we'll not stop paddling, Lord. That we'll not go the way of the world, the way of the matrix. Lord, I pray this morning for a fresh fire to come on your people, Lord God, and strengthen them for battle, Lord. Strengthen them for the, the war in front of them, Lord. I pray for a spirit of might, a violent spirit, Lord God, that's against the enemy, Lord God, and will not give the enemy anything. Let the kingdom come, I pray, Lord God. Let it come, Lord. Let it come forth in our lives. Let it come forth, Lord God. Lord, I pray for your rescuing here this morning. We're, Lord, we have just gone the way of the matrix, Lord God, and the way of the world, and just we're becoming like the world and sounding like the world and acting like the world and conforming to the pattern of this world. I pray for a rescue this morning, Lord. A rescue, Lord. A rescue, Lord. A rescue, Lord. I pray for a rescue, Lord. That we would be active in your kingdom, God on the front foot, ready to advance. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill your people. Come, Holy Spirit, touch us again. Touch us again. Thank you, Lord, that you call us to be different. Thank you for your strength. And we rest in you. That scripture tells us that the spirit rested upon them. Let your spirit of might rest upon us from a place of rest. We come to you to be empowered for the task at hand. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna release a blessing over us as we um, make our way to go and have tea and coffee and fellowship. But um, I'm gonna read this Psalm and release a blessing from its context. It's Psalm 122. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And now here we are standing inside your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a well-built city. Its seamless walls cannot be breached. All the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrimage here. They come to give thanks to the name of the Lord as the law requires of Israel. Here stand the thrones where judgment is given, the thrones of the dynasty of David. Pray for peace in Jerusalem. May all who love this city prosper. O Jerusalem, may there be peace within your walls and prosperity in your palaces. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, may you have peace. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. Father, as a 
community this morning, we bless Jerusalem, we bless Israel. And no matter what people who hold office in our country will say or do against Israel, we will be a people who will be culture culture and we will bless Israel and we will bless Jerusalem and we will pray for its peace. For there is a blessing that comes upon us as a community when we do that. Lord, we might not have a collective understanding or full revelation of what it means, but your word tells us to bless and to pray for Jerusalem and to pray for Israel. And so we do that. And as we do that, I pray your blessing would come upon us and our friends and our families and our households because we believe in your word. We believe in the way you've ordained things. And... Um, and we want to honor you in all matters. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a beautiful week ahead. Go enjoy time of fellowship in the auditorium, tea and coffee, and first-time visitors, please don't forget to join us in the Connect Zone. For those of you at home, goodbye. We love you, and have a good week ahead. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermons. Be blessed.